it's June 17th, 2022. Time for episode 162 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. It's Friday. We made it. Time to talk sports into the week. And let's start off with the NBA Finals. Game six, Golden State finishes the deal, wins the series four games to two over the Boston Celtics, 103 to 90. So for the Warriors, this is their fourth title in eight years. This is their seventh all-time in the franchise. Um, this game, so Boston, they started off really, really fast with a big 12-2 flourish. Golden State counted with a 35-8 flourish. Overall, for the game, their largest lead was 22 points. Boston played very sloppy in this game. We're talking 22 turnovers for Boston. So, again, you start off quick. Golden State counter punches. You can't take care of the basketball, and that will lead to a loss. And I believe their record is one in seven or something like that uh, in the playoffs when they had plus 20, over 20 turnovers. Steph Curry, 34 points, and he is your finals MVP. So his first finals MVP award. And, of course, the newly renamed Bill Russell finals MVP trophy belongs to him. The newly redesigned Larry O'Brien trophy goes to the Warriors. Steve Kerr gets his ninth championship ring. So this, so he has, what, five as a player and four as a coach. And he is now the sixth coach with four titles. So he joins great names like Pat Riley, uh, Red Arback, Greg Popovich, uh, and uh, Bill, uh, blah, 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 um, Phil Jackson, and of course, uh, Pat Riley. Um, so this, you know, was for, for, for lack of a better way to put it, um, and, and I think the players uh, said this in their in their post game comments um, that this one meant so much because the team had so many issues down you know over the last few years uh, with injuries. So of course, Clay Thompson with his horrible injury, and you know many just thought you know Clay wasn't going to be the same, and and Clay really uh, you, know, you know made an impact as he always does. Um, and of course, you know, you've got two new emerging stars who contributed greatly to this run in Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole. So, I mean, uh, it, it all all the pieces fell together for the Warriors and congratulations to them. So the NBA season's over, ladies and gentlemen. So now comes the fun part of the season because we're going to have the draft coming really soon. And then, of course, you're going to have free agency. So all those pieces we're now going to see, you know, how the sand will shift uh, in the league as, you know, players will say, OK, you know, are my fortunes better over here? Are my fortunes better here? Um, who's going to sign bigger contracts, extensions? All this stuff is going to come to light really soon. In about 13 days, the NBA will announce um, what we say there, the salary cap. So that's going to really be the guiding force of how teams are going to do their business uh, moving into the offseason, into next season. Let's go to the NHL Stanley Cup Finals Game 1. A couple nights ago, Colorado 4-3 in overtime over Tampa Bay. So Andre Burakowski, so he has a Stanley Cup championship to his name with the Washington uh, Washington Capitals. He scored the game-winning goal 1 minute and 23, 23 seconds into overtime. Again, for this, in, in this perspective or in this series uh on hockey colorado they came out fast uh against tampa bay um really uh they got an early penalty but they killed it off and then right after that they got a goal and of course you know it looked like colorado was really going to be on the fast track to win this thing but again um you know tampa bay did what they do they scored and they scored at will 
but uh, again, 4-3, your final for Tampa Bay, Andres Palat, Nicholas Paul, and Mikhail Sergeyev each had a goal each. Game two, Saturday night in Denver, 8 p.m. ABC and ESPN+. Plus. Let's move over to the WNBA. So WNBA stuff, we'll kind of recap Wednesday. We did tell you uh, in the last show, in the Commissioner's Cup game, the Aces beat the Wings 92-84. That was an afternoon game, which was, I don't think I've seen, uh, I think this is the first time I've seen an afternoon game in the WNBA on a weekday, which is interesting. But I think I like the idea. Maybe I should do more of that. Um, other games from Wednesday, um, let's see, the Sun over the Dream 105-92. to Courtney Williams at 20 points. Asia Durr off the bench uh, for Atlanta with 21. So it was also a Commissioner's Cup game, the Sun. Uh, 11 4 after the at that after that win and the dream are 7 and 7 at 500 after that loss also mercury over fever 93 to 80 tina charles goes for 29 kelsey mitchell goes for 26 for indiana phoenix 6 and 9 and indiana 4 and 13 from last night another commissioner's cup game the mystics and the liberty the liberty wins 77 65 natasha howard goes for 27 natasha cloud goes for 17 for washington the Mystics are now 10 and 7. New York is now 6 and 9. Friday slate. Let's look at tonight. Storm at Sun, 7 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. Two Commissioner's Cup games. The first, an, an 8 p.m. game on Twitter. The Mercury visit Dallas to take on the Wings. And then 8 p.m. on Facebook. Same time, different media. Uh, Commissioner's Cup game, Dream at Sky. No games on Saturday. We switched to Sunday. We've got slated games across a few platforms, starting at ESPN at noon, the Storm take on the Liberty, then Commissioner's Cup Action Sun and Mystics, 2 p.m. on CBS, then the Sky at the Fever, Commissioner's Cup game as well, and then uh, 4 p.m. on Prime, the Sparks take on the Wings in the Commissioner's Cup game, and then the last game of the night, the Lynx visit Las Vegas to take on the Ace at 6 p.m. on CBS Sports Network. So let's move over briefly to a few news and notes from some areas here. Let's talk College World Series briefly. Today, starting at 2 p.m. and tomorrow, 2 p.m., we have two doubleheaders from Omaha, double elimination format. The first game, ESPN, Oklahoma takes on number 5C, Texas A&M. And then the nightcap, 7 p.m., ESPN, Notre Dame takes on number 9, Texas. So Notre Dame, as we talked about, beat uh, the overall number one overall seed, Tennessee, on their home field. Um, interesting piece of news here so there were a couple big hires in college baseball Clemson uh, hired a new baseball coach they got uh, and I forget his name off the top of my head but Michigan's uh, baseball coach will move on to Clemson I believe he has Clemson ties if I recall correctly yeah I think he's a Clemson grad so he took Michigan to the college world series a couple of years ago um, Notre Dame's coach Link Jarrett right now his name is linked to the Florida State job so Florida State let Mike, Mark, Mark, Mike Martin Jr. go uh, at the end of this season. So there's a lot of talk that Link Jarrett might be the new guy in Tallahassee. But right now he's got uh, bigger things to, to worry about as he takes on the number nine Longhorn. So Notre Dame, you know, for all t intents and purposes, Notre Dame was supposed to be here. But they uh, slayed the Giant in Tennessee. Again, a team that I think lost, what, seven games all season, were probably the best hitting team in baseball and managed to slow in college baseball managed to slow them down on saturday same times 2 p.m and 7 p.m for your game same channel espn arkansas versus number two stanford in the first game old miss takes on number 14 auburn in the second game so you've got a nice dust up here uh with the uh so you've, you've got three sec teams 
in that Saturday slate, one on um, Friday, two Big 12, and then, of course, the ACC represented by Notre Dame. But uh, Ole Miss and Auburn are to be real interesting, uh, interesting matchup. But again, the winners will go to the winner's bracket. The losers will play in an elimination game and then we'll continue this until we're down to our last two teams that will play a three-game series to decide who's the best team in college baseball. For From the world of soccer, the World Cup, the 2026 venues are announced. So this will be a 48-team tournament. So the tournament has been expanded. The tournament will be hosted by three nations. And uh, Mexico has three venues. Canada has two. Uh, USA has 11 venues. We'll run through them real quick. So New York, New Jersey, MetLife Stadium. Los Angeles will be at SoFi. Dallas will be at AT&T Stadium. San Francisco will be at Levi Stadium. Miami Hard Rock Stadium. Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Seattle at Lumen Field. Houston at Energy Field. Uh, Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial. Kansas City at Arrowhead. And Boston at Gillette Stadium. So Baltimore and D.C. So there was a... Uh, initially, D.C. had their own bid with FedEx Field. Baltimore had their own bid with uh, M&T Bank Stadium. D.C. dropped their bid. They formed a joint bid with Baltimore and D.C. And unfortunately, uh, Baltimore, D.C. was not selected as a site uh, for the 2026 World Cup venue. So essentially, I think the knockout stage will happen in the U.S. Mexico and Canada, I think, will get 10, 10 games between the two of them or 10 games each. I think they will get 10 games each. And then the knockout stage will occur in the United States. I don't I did not see in the article where the final game will happen, but we'll kind of come back and update that later. All right. So when we come back, we'll get into U.S. Open. So we'll kind of go through yesterday's action, talk about the current leaderboard. Uh, we'll do some news and notes from the NCAA uh, and then we'll get into dubs and L's. Stay tuned.
All right, everybody, welcome back. So I did forget, <laughs> and it's crazy when I write my notes, I sometimes have a little bit of space and I made a little bit of a note to kind of remind myself to talk about this. And of course, I missed it, but here we go. So Sue Bird, so going back to the WNBA, announces her retirement effective at the end of the season. So uh, Sue Bird, I mean, we all know, you know, how great she is for how great she's been for the league, how great she is as a person. Um, So she's the league's all-time assist leader, uh, 12-time All-Star, 8-time All-WNBA, 21 years in the league, 4-time champion, the number one pick in 2002, um, 5-time gold medalist, so just was on the last Olympic team. Um, And, of course, um, one, one interesting thing about her is she has made every league milestone team the last one being the W25 team. So, um, you know, again, congratulations to her. She's, what, 41, if I recall correctly. Um, you know, she said, you know, you, she just knew it was time. So she made the announcement as the uh, uh, the storm on the East Coast swing. And, of course, they're in Connecticut where, as we know, she played her college ball. So she made the announcement there. Um, but she's got a lot that she's got to look forward to. Um, you know, number one, she's doing, I think, work with the Denver Nuggets. Um, she had the telecast for the women's final four with her and Diana Tarazi, which was, you know, I heard good things about it. I saw some of it. It was very interesting. I mean, those two are hilariously funny. Um, also, um, the, the one thing that she has done very well and something that I applaud the WNBA for is their social justice. So something about the way that all the players in the league are so dialed in with social justice. I mean, it's, it's not just one player standing alone. It's like they stand together. And I just wish the NBA did this so much better. Don't get me wrong. The NBA, I think comparatively to other leagues, I think does a good job of social justice. I think they could do better, but the NBA, the WNBA to me is the model for which, social justice is done it's 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 kind of that whole you know look you can't um if you if you had someone who was punitive well you can't punish all of us for expressing ourselves but they all come together to just do just great work and bringing light to so many issues i mean they were really um just doing they did such great work during the last election uh i know um especially with the um uh, the Atlanta Dream with the, you know, with the uh, the the center the Senate race in, in in Georgia. I mean, just did such great work. But again, across the league, and uh, doing such good stuff. But again, Sue Bird, she's really at the forefront of that. I think she was uh, WNBA Association. I think president, or vice president at one point. So again, um, you know, she she definitely has made such a great impact on the league. She'll be missed. Uh, the Storm. Um, they're doing a lot to try to send her out a winner one more time. And uh, I forget where they are in the standings, but I mean, they're, they're in this thing. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this proceeds as, um, as the season goes, but, you know, still, you know, a nice chunk of basketball left to be played uh, by this team. All right, let's go to golf. So golf's third major is currently in session right now. So let's review yesterday. So Adam Hadwin from Canada. So he enters the tournament as an alternate. He led the first round at four under. There was a five-way tie at three under. So Roy McIlroy was amongst that three under crowd. Dustin Johnson, two under. John Rahm, the defending champions at one under. 
Phil Mickelson. So a record time, a record six time runner up in the U.S. Open trying to complete the career Grand Slam on his birthday. I think this is his 52nd birthday yesterday. Finished at plus eight. So he's really in danger of missing the cut. So as we look at the scores right now, currently um, the top player right now is Matthias Dafu at three under. He's even for the day. His round is almost done. Um, actually, he just dropped to minus three. So essentially there is a log jam at minus three at the top of the leaderboard. So still a number of players that haven't hit the course as of yet. But again, the scores are actually a little bit better than I thought they would be. I mean, they're still low under par. Um, you know, we still got Saturday and Sunday to play. It's you know going to be hard to see. Hard. To, it's going to be hard to say. Um, you know what the scoring is going to be like as they move the pin positions on Friday, on Saturday and Sunday. But so far, um, you know, the golf right now seems to be we've got some under par scores of those who have already been on the course. We've got a few scores over. So Hadwin is at one under. He's plus three for the day currently. So we're kind of starting to see that those scores kind of become affected uh, by this the, the, the tough terrain. And, and just looking at some of the action yesterday, this is a really tough course. This course was, I think this is the, US, the USGA's dream as how this course is set up. They've really did some interesting architecture with some of the greens and some of the uh, fairways to kind of split maybe one hole into two holes with different tee boxes but the terrain is just um, it's just crazy and they've got a lot of high rough like the rough if you hit in the rough sometimes you might get lucky and hit a path a patch that's kind of flat or hasn't or has been walked on in some cases guys were you know in really deep rough i mean like you couldn't see your feet that's how deep the rough was so um gonna be interesting to see how this thing uh, ends up um over the uh, over the uh, the break here um, over the Father's Day weekend and going into the Juneteenth holiday. NASCAR. NASCAR is currently at their midseason break. They will resume racing at the Nashville Super Speedway on June 26th. So at that point, I believe the telecast will move over to NBC. So NBC will be taking over the telecast. Let's go over to college athletics. So we had talked about the College World Series already, but this is news from the NCAA. So the Transformation Committee, so they're working on two initiatives right now. The biggest one, and this is something we've talked about here on the show, they are recommending window periods for the transfer portal. And I say it's about darn time. Um, so currently the only deadline that they have for um, the transfer portal is players must notify schools that they are entering the portal by the 1st of May. So the executive director of the American Football Coaches Association, Todd Berry, he has made a recommendation to the committee. He would like to see two windows. The first window will be from the final Sunday of no, final Sunday in November to whenever the the early signing day is in mid December. The second window will be from April fifteenth to May first. So that May first date is still in play. But here's the but here's the genius of that. Both of these window periods that Todd Berry is recommending will coincide with contact periods and recruiting. So really, it's kind of blending the pieces together because, again, we've seen how Transfer Portal has impacted high school recruiting because what's happening, we're seeing more student athletes moving around, you know, current college student athletes moving around in high school 
Um, players are kind of, I wouldn't say they're lacking opportunities, but they're getting their fewer and fewer slots for these kids. And so to kind of make those two areas align, that kind of gives coaches, I think, a little bit more flexibility and they can see their schedule, you know, how their teams are going to shape up a little bit better as to kind of have to having to guess. Because right now, especially looking and this year, I've looked really closely at women's uh, transfer, women's basketball transfer uh, portal stuff. And it's crazy. There are a, a lot of players went in this year. There's still teams make shaking out their rosters. Um, there's still a lot of players out there looking for homes. Um, and then, of course, you have to wonder once the season starts until this committee gets this piece in place, you know, we're going to see probably more people, tr- more players transferring, you know, both on the men's and women's side and even football. So, again, it would be great if the committee gets this up and running, um, if they make a solid recommendation. So if this recommendation that Todd Berry is um, suggesting you know, kind of getting input from other sources, other coaches, you know, from basketball, from other sports, then to have a solid date, a solid area would really kind of help, you know, and getting it done quickly. I think that's other piece too, you know, to implement something like this would probably take a couple years. So you still got some chaos in the transfer portal for at least a couple of years once they get this going. But once you get the, that window in place, those windows rather in place, I think, it will probably make this process a little less crazy, but I think the transfer portal is still going to be, you know, really, really nuts. But we've seen the transformative effect that it has had on college athletics, and it's going to continue to do so for many years to come. The other thing the committee is working on is they're modernizing the infractions process. So we all know that the NCAA rules are very archaic, and so. The, the overarching goal here is to make the process more time efficient or kind of more timely, because let's think about this. A coach commits certain uh, infractions. So we've talked on this program a lot of, about a lot of coaches who have committed infractions in different sports. Then the coach either gets fired or maybe the coach moves on to another job. And here we find infractions. What happens? The new coach the new team and some players who were there when the infractions happened and new players take the brunt of the penalty. So the idea here is to ensure that whoever breaks the rules, different types of infractions, level one to level three. So remember level three are your least serious infractions, level one are your most serious, whatever the level of the infraction is that the offenders in a timely fashion serve whatever penalty needs to be served and it doesn't affect the current coach the current team etc cetera, etc cetera. and i think that again took a long time coming it's it's just it's amazing to me how the ncaa is still an operating entity as horrible and as archaic as their rules are i just don't really understand how they've managed to get by this long and i think transfer portal going back to that And I think the COVID pandemic really exposed a lot of uh, weaknesses with the NCAA. Um, Now that they're looking for a new president, you know, they've taken this time to really try to strengthen the constitution of the NCAA. They're, They're really trying to fix a lot of these rules. But I think 
the piece that the NCAA really needs to focus on is their structure. I've told you that their structure, their administrative structure is a hot mess. I mean, again, you look at it, it's instant headache. That's all I can say about it. I can't I can't put into words how much of a cluster the NCAA structure is. But again, you know, baby steps. If they're trying to work on changing the rules, trying to make current things like Transfer Portal work better, and also trying to ensure that infractions are dealt with on a timely basis, then I think that is, you know, I think that's good. That's actually good for college athletics. It's a, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's a start. So again, at least recognizing that you have weaknesses then allows you to uh, begin to slowly work on them. So again, at this pace, if the NCAA continues in these little working committees, these working groups, if they continue at this pace, then maybe you might get a more efficient system, but they've got to address the, 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 the administrative system. They've got to address that. You get a president and then how do you work this? Because the conversations have been, well, um, commissioners for each sport which again the major sports i think that works when you get to olympic sports that could get a little complicated because you have so many olympic sports there are sports that certain schools have that others don't so what do you do you say well why don't we take you know have one person who oversees two of these sports someone oversees two of these sports but you definitely need somebody to oversee men's basketball women's basketball college football um, maybe college baseball. So you have one specific um, person for each sport. But then when you get to things like track and field or rowing or, you know, field hockey, I don't know, you you kind of have to parse it out in such a way that streamlines the administrative process. So there's proper reporting up the chain to the president. And then, of course, where do the presidents and the athletic directors fit in all this? And then there are councils for student athletes and blah. it's again it's such an exploding onion that, again, I'm just talking it through and I'm only talking about one little sl sliver of the entire thing. But it's something that needs to be worked out. But it's good to see that the NCAA is at least addressing obvious weaknesses and they're moving forward and they're making some progress. And, you know, again, we can only hope that. It can get better. But again, the other piece, one more piece here is the NIL. So, you know, what things are they doing with NIL? Because NIL is starting to become very touchy, uh, especially in football. I mean, you know, with Saban's comments and then I think Lane Kiven made some comments. So I'm sure somebody in college basketball has made some comments. Someone's going to make some comments. So NIL is good. I think, you know, again, all the money that these schools make, these kids should get something um, you know, but I think the fear is how do you keep amateurism and, you know, the, the money aspect, how you keep it balanced. And I think so far it's okay. It could be better, but nevertheless, you know, Hey, these kids should get something out of this other than, Oh, you get a scholarship and you get books and you get food and blah 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 blah. all these years these kids have literally many of them especially in these high dollar sports you know they are essentially the economic engine of these sports and it's unfair that for the longest time they were getting nothing back so yeah so i think that's the other piece that i think is getting addressed should be addressed and hopefully will be addressed very soon 
to kind of make it more again, make it a more streamlined type of thing moving forward. All right. So with that, uh, let's get to the last part of this dubs and L. So again, as every Friday we do dubs and L. So I, you know, I always throw it out there. If you listen to the show, you have an idea for a dub or an L, uh, you hit hit show. So the email is in the show notes. I'm going to start with the dub first. So it's kind of a little bit of a history type dub. Um, just shout out um, Mark Tatum. So this was, uh, I saw this tweet from Mark. Uh, oh my gosh, Mark. Oh my gosh, the NBA writer whose name just went out of my brain. Um, anyway, Mark Spears. Um, he tweeted this out yesterday. He said that um, since Adam Silver, NBA commissioners in COVID protocols, health and safety protocols, um, Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum presented the Larry O'Brien Trophy last night to the Warriors. So this is the 75th anniversary of the NBA. This is the first time a black man presents the trophy to the league champion. Tatum is black and Vietnamese. So again, whether you're aware of it or not, it was a historic moment. Again, a historic moment that was brought about through an unfortunate circumstance. But nevertheless, you know, shout out to that man. Salute to him. Um, you know, potentially maybe you're looking at the future of the NBA, you know, the, maybe the next face of the NBA. You never know. But, um, you know, just a, a really great historic moment, um, you know, for everybody, for the Warriors winning another title. And, of course, um, Mark Tatum standing in uh, for uh, Adam Silver. So my L, my L goes to, uh, j- you know, just I, I'm just a WNBA haters, but kind of women's sports haters in general, because uh, with Sue Bird announcing her her retirement yesterday, of course, you know, in the thread from ESPN, there were all sorts of stupid, ignorant, hateful comments, you know, and of course you look at some of these accounts, either some of them are troll accounts, they're conservative accounts, you know, people who don't even bother to watch the WNBA, but have something to say. And I, I released a two part tweet (laughs) about that. So if you look at my Twitter or my Instagram, you'll see the tweet, but essentially it just it, it really bugs me that these same people who have so much to say about the WNBA are, you know, people who I don't know. I feel like they're kind of the folks who don't they, I feel like they're people who watch sports that openly oppress athletes. Let's let's, let's put it that way. And, and, and you know what I'm saying, because, you know, these are the same people who um, support this whole outward, you know, I'm an NFL player and I'm just going to say my stupid, ignorant, racist thing and no one bats an eye, everyone gets up in their feelings and then I cry wokeism. But if I kneel in protest of police murder, if I protest because, you know, uh, the system is unfair and the system is unjust, then I'm the bad guy. Those are the type of, so so the people who think that way, those are the people who are making these ignorant comments. It's just like, why don't you just stay in your lane? Hey, if you don't like the sport, that's cool. Hey, there are plenty of things I don't like and I choose to you know not watch it and I choose to keep my comments to myself. I mean, how hard is that? But I feel like it's funny how people of that ilk like to inject themselves into things and say things, and then when they're attacked, oh, why is everyone attacking me? Why am I the victim? You're the victim because you walked into a buzzsaw, you idiot. So, um, yeah, my, my whole thing is, look, if you, don't, if you don't mess with it, you don't mess with it. Just 
walk away. You know, you don't have to say anything. I mean, if you can't recognize that there are there's a whole league of talented, intelligent, uh, socially conscious women who can play basketball at an extremely high level. And in some, and you can argue that many of them can play better than the guys. If you can't accept that, then, you know, stay in your 1952 world and let us enjoy the basketball. Let's just leave it at that. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So with that, I leave you. Um, this might be me leaving you for a little while. Um, as I always do after the NBA finals, I usually like to take a little hiatus. Um, but keep a lookout. I might have some interviews coming soon. But um um, just you know, follow the show. Um, uh, subscribe, like, uh, make give some comments. Hit me up on Instagram, Twitter. It's Uncle Dub I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. Um, and until I talk to you soon, I'm hoping um, by July when we get into um, college football media days. That's kind of when I'm hoping to maybe pop back on the screen here. At least you'll hear my voice in this type of show. But like I said. Um, keep a lookout out. Keep a lookout for some interviews uh, coming very soon. I want to bring back Wednesday conversations throughout the summer while I'm gone. I mean, gone, not gone, gone, but you know, not around. But until then, I hope you enjoy this part of your summer. That I hope you're well. You stay well. Um, continue to protect yourself. Um, you know, COVID numbers are still there. They're not as bad as we once thought, but they're there. So continue to protect yourself, get boosted, um, wear your mask, you know, social distance. And as we know, it's hot, very hot. How hot is it? It's hot enough for you to do what? To drink your water and mind the business that pays you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sports wagon pod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.